0: What is going on, everybody? This is the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jack Anderson. Today on the show, we've got Sam Portland. Sam is a strength and conditioning coach with experience coaching several professional rugby teams in the UK. He currently now runs his own private training business, Sportland. Uh, Love it. Absolutely love it. Very clever uh, play on words there. Uh, But yeah, Sam is joining the show to talk about several things. We did a deep dive on the status of strength and conditioning and how he's running his business in light of the COVID-19 pandemic going on right now. We talked a lot about uh, rehab protocols as Sam has a lot of return to play experience. Um, He talks about aligning his expectations with that of the athlete and the other professionals working on the return to play process. Uh, I got a lot out of that. It was very interesting stuff. And then we talk a lot about speed and Sam's philosophy on speed. We talk uh, quite a bit about uh, the difference between fascially driven and force driven athletes and what considerations we as strength and conditioning coaches need to make for such athletes. Um, And we also talked a little bit about SpeedGate Golf, which is uh, one of Sam's uh, pet projects that he's coming up with here soon. Sam was gracious enough to give us a promo code to one of his programs, the Bodyweight Athlete. So if you were looking for, training during this COVID-19 pandemic. Sam's got you covered. Head on over to his website, which is linked in the show notes and punch in the promo code to get a nice discount on that product. Uh, Sam was great. This was an awesome interview. You're really going to love it. He's raw. He's genuine. And, uh, I had a great time talking to one of the realists in the game right now. Sam, thanks a lot, man, for joining the show. Really uh, appreciate you giving me extra time since I apparently don't know how to convert, uh, uh, what is it? Greenwich Mountain time or whatever? Yeah, Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, apparently I'm not good at that. But, uh, you know, next time I have someone on from over there, I'll double check and be better.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> we also both might have COVID. Who knows? Um, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, either get, I didn't get it from you, but I may have got it from a strange woman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're playing hurt, man. Playing hurt. Um, are you in a boat too, by the way? I saw that on Instagram the other day. You know? Um
1: yeah, no, I, so for this period, I've actually moved back home with my parents, but yeah, I do, I own and live on a houseboat.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, That's, that's really living the dream there uh, in the midst of all of this.
1: Yeah. It's like residential. So it's not like a river gypsy. Like I've got my own land and my own oh, okay. garden and stuff like okay, that. okay. So, yeah, it's like a halfway between uh, camping and a flat. But like basically hey man, like nothing
0: wrong with that. <laughs> the whole
1: tiny house living type stuff. Yeah, so I love it, man.
0: I'm That's great. awesome. That's awesome. So I, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is you've been kind of doing your own thing in terms of strength and conditioning with your own kind of business and and products you're marketing and people you're coaching privately. Um, yep. And I'm sure, again, you can kind of go into this, but I'm sure you've you've taken something of a hit like all of us have. But I think you're kind yeah. of ahead of the curve um, in terms of like you've been doing this for a year now you're very comfortable doing it. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts for, for some of us out there that might not have our ducks in a row in this, uh, in this line of, uh, of the
1: field. Yeah. So it's kind of actually like, I mean, I've always, I've always worked for myself even before I got my, excuse me, even before I got my first internship, I was coaching for myself and I never stopped coaching for myself. Uh, Arguably, I worked myself a little bit too hard trying to keep multiple jobs running, but um, I always kind of wanted that security in the back of my head. Um, And now, you know, it was October, not last year, but the year before I got released um, from the role that I was in uh, for, call it conflict of interest um, and over player welfare and um and then so then it was like well it's mid-season there aren't any other jobs really gonna go um so i was like right let's just press play and i'd kind of been wounded a little bit by the industry having resigning from my first job because i was undervalued and treated poorly and then the manner of which i was uh, dispatched from my second appointment i was like you know what fuck this um for for both reasons i was trying to do the right thing and it was it was getting met head on with the industry so i was like let's let's go for it let's press play and let's do something a bit better, try and be bigger and better and um it's been really really interesting i've had to shut my academy obviously um we had massive expansion plans um a guy that runs it for me, uh, Mark Stevenson. I've had he's been my assistant for a good few years now. Um, he's taken a massive hit as well. Um, a lot of the in-person stuff has all gone down the pan, um, purely because you know you're working with professional athletes, and we just need to be careful. And then some of the facilities that we're working out with have obviously closed. Um, but luckily, and I say this um, very, very hesitantly. Um, I was moving into seminar season anyway. So every year uh, we do the Coach Sport and Tour. Um, This year was meant to be five five cities in five weeks. Um, We're doing London, Birmingham, Manchester, or Burnley. I was in Belfast, Dublin. Then I was meant to go to Sydney and Melbourne. Um, So that like... That's taken a a, a a big hit. However, what it's done is it's forced me to pivot and move in a different direction and push me into some places where I knew that my business needed to develop and I knew that my um, message could be heard and, and, and is going to be translated in a few different ways. Um, I've actually invested... A lot more money than I than I've spent. A lot of money in the last three weeks to to make this stuff happen, um, and you know, largely there is um, there's a huge amount of of opportunity coming this way and coming out of this this time as as tragic as it is. And I always joke with my friends like, right now, if you flush me down the toilet, I'm coming out with a plumbing degree. Um, And that's the mindset that I've had with a lot of things that it's going to be all right. And because I've worked for myself for such a long time around these other jobs, they weren't my complete identity. Whilst I loved every second as well, most of the time with those, um, (laughs) that when it was taken away from me, it wasn't everything lost on me. Um, You know, I, for a couple of years like that I wasn't as an snc coach I was a landscape gardener you know when I was a kid I was cutting hedges I was laying paving slabs for my neighbors I was I was always working always trying to make some money so that's not changed in me and and it's not going to change and whilst we have taken a financial hit I've been lucky that from my last year's revenue I've been able to save and and that's where I feel really really privileges very long-winded answer, but I wanted to put context around. No, that's
0: huge, man. No, no, no. Yeah, you go as long as you want. I, I really enjoy these for, for that reason. I like the guys that'll that'll give me more stuff to kind of pivot off of. And yeah, uh, yeah. I love that you said because I think the the best people in the industry right now are ones that are seeing this as opportunity rather than like abject failure or like yeah. the end of their careers. Because there's so many yeah. ways we can pivot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree, man. And you know, I feel sorry. I feel really, really sorry for the people that are so attached to the job. Their job is their identity. Sam Portland is an s coach, a performance coach, but that's only a small part of me. I can put that away. And I'm all right with that. Like, I renovated a houseboat. I build stuff, you know, like there's more to me than just being a coach. And the, these are the people that I do feel we're incredibly sorry for at the moment. That that have just lost sight of who they are because someone's told them what they should be. And this isolation time for them, I should, I really, really hope, is a massive wake-up call. Yeah. Because if you've never been fired, you've never been be- betrayed by something that you love, um, unless you know your girlfriend's cheated on you or something. <laughs> uh, but like. <laughs> the, you've you've never felt that it's it's gone it's taken away from you and there's nothing that you can do about it there's nothing you can change and you have to grieve and i think there's on some level some of these coaches will be grieving now because because that's all they have and it was an interesting story i remember my first trip over to the states i did lots of coaching it was when altis was the world athletic center so that was seven years ago now and I think I met in 20 odd days. It was a silly statistic. I met like 25 coaches and 95% of them were either single or divorced. And I was like, that is not going to be me. Yeah. Yeah. Because nothing is, and what I've learned is that when, when that's taken away from you, what are you left with? The people that you neglect because of the job. Yep. Yeah. And and that's why being in my position now, I'm like, let's, let's own this. And, and what I'm really excited about is that I hope, right, this would be beautiful. I hope that out of a thousand people that lose their jobs, they find their passion. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Instead of just kind of milking whatever it is they have.
1: Yeah. It's like, all right, so I've just been furloughed or, you know, over here, if you're self-employed, the government are only paying up to what is it up to 80%, but no more than two and a half thousand pounds for self-employed people for profit. So profit margin only. Mm-hmm. So as a self-employed guy, you're fucked because you operate on slim margins. Luckily digital products. Like I'm okay. because I've got a lot of yeah. digital products. There's the margins so high on them, but I know friends that have lost their businesses because of this time. And, and I just hope you talk about pivoting and stuff. And I just hope someone wakes up and goes, do you know what? I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to try this. Well, now you've got at least three months to put something in place and, and yep. give it a go. And you just hope that people can, whilst this is a very psychological stressful time, people are very vulnerable. People are very scared and afraid. We're not taking that away from them. But they can find some power within it and take the power back because this will pass and then they've got the next 20 years of their life to be, be happy by their time yeah. back. You know? yeah, I,
0: th- I think that's, I think that's really interesting too. You were talking just about kind of like how you have other things that make you up. And I would say myself, like two years ago, I didn't really have that, um, yeah. but the job I was just in and, and just left, uh, tactical strength and conditioning, it's just not the same. And mm. y- no one kind of understands what you do there even more so than they do in sport. Um, yeah. nobody really, uh, values what you can bring to the table and you have to reinvent your, I really reinvented myself as a coach the last two years. And a lot of it had nothing to do with physiology and, you know, any of that. It just had to do with being a good person and, and relating to guys, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I really kind of, you know, I, I, as I'm going through it, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't really enjoy it. But now that this is happening, I'm like, well, shit, like I have a whole better perspective now to take with me as I try to branch out and and do new things, you know, it sounds like you do the same thing.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. You know, um, it's perspective and it's experience. And um, you can't buy experience, but experience is expensive. And and that's a huge, it's a huge thing for me. And that's why um, my road, um, you know, my a big thing for me, my big vision, my north is that I want to change the game. I want to change the industry. I want to change the way it operates because it's broken. And I can't do that inside a club. I can't do it with them inside the system. I had a few job offers come my way, like half, like half decent ones. And I was like, I was talking to my friend about it and he goes, he goes, you like the idea of them, don't you? He's like, yeah. And he was like, why? I was like, because I know I could do the job. And he was like, that's the problem. Because you can do it. to step backwards. Just think Macro. Let's be real yeah. big. Yeah, um, and that's where you have to constantly reinvent yourself. But I think I get I got used to get stuck in the in the thing of chasing and chasing and chasing all the time. Stuck in this, like, oh this is not good enough. That's not good enough. I'm not doing that. And uh, over the the amount of seminars I've done with people, one of the clear messages that I have to give is like, how do you if you sat down in front of me and tell me what your program can actually produce? Can you do that? And a lot of the time they say no because they, they're trying to always add to it. They don't know what it can do before they try to add to it. Mm-hmm. It's like stimulate, adapt, stimulate, adapt. There's, there's no consolidation period as a coach as well. Like be happy with your, with your level of knowledge that you've got. You don't have to be the smartest practitioner of the room. you just got to be the fastest thinker in the room. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a, good, that's a really good way to put it. I, I'm going to circle back for a second because yeah, I'm yeah, super yeah. curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, you were saying the industry's broken. I agree with you to some extent, but I want to know like what makes you think that? Like what things are sticking out to you that makes you think that?
1: Um, so there's a there's a huge disconnect. Um, like this crazy Venn diagram in my head, but um, <laughs> there's a huge disconnect between how important coaches think they are versus how much they get paid versus how much influence they actually have versus what carry over their work does. And that's just the S and C's yep. fucking mind yeah. fuck <laughs> of a situation. Like there some, um, you can become the most stubborn. You're like a toddler sometimes because you don't get your own way. Well, fuck life's difficult. You're not going to get your own way and you're going to keep fighting against something that you're not going to change. And the reason why you're not going to get change is because the idiots hiring the people that are like the coaches are devaluing the coaches because they don't have a fucking clue who they are. Um, and, and that is broken as a system where in any other industry would you have someone hiring someone who's not qualified in understanding that well? Nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And then also, because um kia talks about it a lot and i completely agree with him it's just it's, it's basic economics like the market is full so it drives the cost down you know and so you're going to get paid fuck all because there's and it's it's a, it's a really fucking sleazy way it's 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 very underhand it's a devaluing process like the guy that actually gets the job should get paid more because there's so many coaches, Mm -hmm. not less because there's so many coaches. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then it comes back to human worth. It comes back to someone's wealth, their own personal wealth, not financial, but their their feeling of gratitude when you've got coaches, especially in the, like I stayed a, a week with Keir and I did a week with him at William Mary in camp. Was getting up at four o'clock in the morning. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> fuck this shit. Like, this is fucking. And there's coaches that will do this and they- they've got 10 teams. I would fucking quit because that is just. An- I That for me doesn't give me enough. America, but that's maybe. From experience. we get up
0: early. And- <laughs> yeah. But
1: that's my. That's because I'm looking at that from having turned the pages in my book and my yeah. story. Yeah. I was looking at that from there as a young hungry coach and I was working 15 hours a day, three mm-hmm. jobs, you know? Um, and so, but I think that's why it is broken. And I think that the, the UK SCA, the strength and conditioning accreditation is terrible. I think the CSCS is fucking garbage. I think they're all rubbish. They're all broken because what they're, they're not, they're, it's like people detach from what it means to really truly be a coach trying to write a fucking recipe when they've never chef, been a chef you know mm-hmm. That and they're, they're, I'm sure there's certain people that represent these governing bodies and da, 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 take a fucking paycheck at the conference every year because shit I would do it because they're going to chuck 10 <laughs> grand in my back yeah, pocket oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> like let's
1: be honest and um, I'm not going to sit on my fucking soapbox here and you know people yeah. in the states listen to this go who the fuck's this english guy <laughs> we're all gonna get paid for a land of opportunity right <laughs> so but so that's why for me i feel it's broken and 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 if if i something strongly within me um when i resigned from my job because i just knew it wasn't right and i got let go of a professional differences over player welfare that's the line and i knew it was wrong the industry is wrong, you know and and if i'm if i'm going to impact and and make make my mark on this industry um, as a loud mouth redhead <laughs> the you have to impact more people in a much more positive way, yeah. you know like you know I would love to do you know, like a bloody coaches retreat or something, you stick 20 coaches in a room and they're not allowed to talk about strength and conditioning for a day. It'd be the quietest room in the fucking land. Yeah, yeah. Be- because it's so broken. There's nothing wrong with having a passion. But you've got to be able to navigate that passion through muddy waters. Yeah. Uh, and all, all that, you know.
0: I'm I'm with you on the, on this in a lot of ways. And I, I would just add on it for me, it's just like I'm very concerned about young coaches because i don't think we've moved the model forward at all from uh you know i know i'm going over the snc side now but like yeah, yeah yeah we haven't moved the model forward enough in my yeah. opinion, just terms of like getting people to understand basic principles like we brought some a lot of young coaches in on this tactical strength conditioning they're fresh out of school like they might have had one internship yeah. and they yeah. and, and again i'm not expecting them to know everything but they have not been prepared mm-hmm. or taught anything and it's yeah. like it's just scary yeah. You know, lift big weights yeah. and we'll be fine. It's like, no, nah, it just doesn't work that way a lot of times. <laughs> like, you know
1: <laughs> you know what's going to happen in the UK next year, especially with rugby because uh, we were just talking before, they furloughed the league. Um, backroom staff are all going to get laid off. And do you know who they're going to pad out the performance staffs with? Interns. Yeah, They'll yep. go from a crew of six, if you're lucky, to then a crew of two plus two interns or three or four interns. <laughs> and you're just going to see the quality of the game drop you're yeah. going to see injury rates go through the roof and that's because it's the first they're the first people to get cut yeah. the physio physios will be the second because heaven forbid we we don't fire the people that put the players back together, but we fire the people that keep the players from breaking.
0: In the first place. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, but then again, I'm I'm a dumb director of rugby who thinks medical's more important. The guys that fix me are more important than the guys that prepare me. Yeah. Yeah. So who, knows? It's, who
0: knows? And you know that you you mentioned this too that touched, you know, we're going down a deep rabbit hole now, but I oh, can't help it. Uh, you know, Fuck you touched, it. We're in. Let's yeah, go. yeah. You touched on um. Uh, like how much impact do we even have a lot of times based yeah. on either constraints or a knowledge of knowledge gap for us or an inability to communicate things properly. Like there's so many facets to this cause it's human. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you have to be equipped with a lot more than just X's and O's of strength and conditioning. And, and mm-hmm. that's another big issue, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I sat when I was at my old job and I sat with the players. Like, I I like to develop very strong relationships with my players, the guys that I work with, are, you know, and people are like, oh, you can't be friends with your players and the athletes you work with. Yes, you can. Because if, if you've got a good relationship with you, they respect you. Some of my uh, old players came to my house for my birthday, you know. Like, it's a good, respectful relationship there. And I remember sat there and talking to them and just say, they're like, you know, Just talking about coaching and talking about shit and i was like do you know what they're like what i was like the day i actually became a better coach when i stopped giving a shit about coaching and they were just like fuck i was like think about it first day back at practice you don't really care about practice and you have your best sessions yeah yeah
0: that's a break I honestly like the stuff you're saying is resonating with me because it's what i experienced the last two years like yeah. it really is
1: <laughs> yeah and this is where this is where like and again it goes like navigating your impact and actually understanding your value in those in those couple of moments i was with those players I, was, I probably had the most impact that i had on them all year because they were like holy shit yeah i was like well do you not you, you know when you get that um get that feeling I played um, over here. There's quite a lot there's like quite a lot of semi-professional mm-hmm. organizations. Like I played semi-professional um, for 13, 14 years. And I remember in my own, that feeling of sensation, you come back and you just have a session, and everything sticks. And I didn't give a fuck about the outcome. And then imparting that and, and bringing that awareness to that players and, and inciting that, <clears throat> that feeling because it's all vicarious experience. The reason why a player will know what something's good is because they've done it before and they can resonate that feeling. It's like a time hop. Um, and then all the technical coaches do is try and organize them and put pressure on them when they make a mistake. And then their performance goes down because they don't bring them back to a positive mind state. Like you need more psychologists uh, and behavior interventions than you do X's and O's.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, and I, the more the more I get into this, like I do think it's important what we choose. Like we can't be fucking idiots. Like no. we're gonna talk about in a minute. Um, but um, but um, on the flip side, like uh, you know, I, I I've pulled this out a couple times on the podcast now. But uh, Rob Hartman, uh, he works for Bridge Athletic now, but he was with uh, Special Forces for a while, and he told me, time yep. we're having this deep discussion on some aerobic training and i was like i don't really get this and like i don't even know if it matters and he goes you know man it really doesn't matter it was his baby too and he goes really yeah. doesn't matter like i i just have to i can't be wrong i or i can uh, there's a million ways i can be right but i just can't be wrong and i'm yeah. like you know what like boom like that's it like as long as yeah. we're grounding stuff like in common sense and then most importantly probably creating that environment we're good like we're yeah
1: 100 percent. You know? and it's all about finding your little wins so like in the winter, when it's cold and it's wet and you've got to warm your players up, you don't put them on the ground. Yeah. Fuck the amount of times I've seen that. It's like, shit, I'm not going to put them on the ground because then you're not taking care of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even if even if they don't notice it, like, it's an inherent thing. like
1: Yeah. I mean, any yeah. coach
0: that has – and this is like – something you can't teach and why half the coaches probably shouldn't be coaches. You don't have feel and you can't read a room or read a situation get a vibe. Like, dude, you don't belong here. Like,
1: yeah, (laughs) a hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. And like, it reminds me of a pretty cool story. Like that, um, I, I like with some of my programming I would, I would get the front every start of the new phase we'd just whiteboard it and just be like this is the goals expectations this is what I want to achieve I don't care like when we move from block one to block two pre-season right done. I don't give a fuck about how heavy you can lift now that's for idiots get this out of your head right we're done um, we'll touch on it in three or four weeks time if we have to and then we're going to do this this and this right if you get here um before me, you can start your warm-ups, do all your prep. It's on you. Da, da 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 fine. One day I had to do a little bit of extra work. And I walked in. And one of the lads had had a wind up and said that I they could start their lift without me. And I was like, fuck. I could someone just came in, there like, Sam, they're lifting. I was like, fuck. But it wasn't too I wasn't too angry about it because that's the beast that I created. You know, and they were doing the program. They weren't like doing biceps or anything like that. Like, <laughs> and I just walked in the room. They saw me, and I was like, and they all stopped because they saw the look on my face. And I, I never shout in a room. I wait for people to be quiet. And um, because as soon as you raise your voice to one level, that becomes normalized. Yeah. And for every time you need attention, you got to shout louder and louder. You know, I used to work with a guy that blew a whistle in a weights room. Fucking dick. Right? <laughs> I hate Doesn't that. work.
0: I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't
1: work. And um and I just said to him, I was like, lads, I didn't say you could go. Like I'm fair, I'm firm, but do not take the piss out of my the respect that I give you. And they're like, what do you want to do? I was like, session starts in ten minutes because I've got to do some work for you. So go sit down. Went back in, did my work, came back in. All right, let's go. One of the lads came up to me. Go, sorry, Sam, so I was just having a wind up. I was like, I know. I'm just giving you. The, I'm trying to make it better for you. He was like, "Sorry, fair play, done." <laughs> it, no, but
0: that's good. Like you navigated a situation there that, like, a lot of people, maybe even myself, wouldn't have <laughs> wouldn't have handled as well. So
1: five years ago, I'd have fucking, I would have tried to exercise my power. That's what I would have done, mm-hmm. and and it it's just not worth it. Yeah. there's no point and it
0: really it really ends up not being that effective you lose the you lose the ear of the players for sure so.
1: yeah. yeah they're just like well you're a dick like, fuck. <laughs> well you're a dick too fuck you and then you know it <laughs> you know like I would say you know I have, the type of guy I am and the type of relationship I have with my players and stuff like I would say to him, like shut the fuck up you're a dickhead like stop being a dick and they would be like you're a dick and it literally it was, it was just like very comraderous very sort of in you, like we would um i remember one day before practice i end up wrestling with one of the players like before training like we were just having a fucking full-on wrestle my boss was looking at me like what are you doing but it's just because it was you're just in it with him you're just in it with him and you respect you for it and then he had the best training session he had all season yeah i was like yeah i'll fucking yeah. take that <laughs>
0: yeah potentially warmed that him up yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> get out of this fucking leg lock you bastard
0: <laughs> all right all right we gotta we gotta i do have other questions here so i do i wish you yeah get let's it. go that was, that was a great go. discussion though i really really enjoy those kind of topics um um uh, so i really i know you did a lot of return to play stuff i think at your first first position yeah,
1: yeah both um, roles.
0: And, and I, I'm not going to lie. I have, I have limited experience with that. And it always, especially early on in my career was always just like, Oh, return to play. Like, what is yeah. it? Like, what do you do? And I just kind of wanted some like just practical experience you got there. Cause I don't think it's as mystical or as scary as no. it sounds like it's just using your common sense, but I just wanted to get your your insights on that and, and the success you had doing it.
1: Yeah. So basically like I, um in my first role, it was the junior role. I got lumped with the sports science. I got lumped with everything. that nobody wanted to do and then this is where the industry's fucked there's there's people don't understand the difference between being injured being hurt and being able to train and they can't navigate the continuum of that um training someone that's injured or hurt is the same as training anyone else it's you just have to manipulate the variables a little bit different Mm -hmm. long term You've got to know your fundamentals. You've got to know some correlation stuff. You've got to understand, you know, some of the kinematics um, <clears throat> and make sense from shit. Like you just—it is a lot of common sense, and it's just rehab and return to play is just appropriate training. That's all it is. It is the right cooking at the right temperature at the right time. And I came into it with loads of knowledge. And understanding, you know, and I was like, why can't you just let me do this? Give me this player. And the physio at the time sat me down. He was like, how many successful return to place have you had with professional rugby players? And I was like, none. And he was like, I've had quite a few. And I was like, okay, fine. Let's go. And that's literally because I knew his system. And he wasn't a strength and conditioning coach. He wasn't a performance coach. He was a physio. And the more and more that I have come up, I've the more and more I've realized how limited physios are and restricted. Yeah. Whilst they're very valuable, diagnostics, treatment, uh, understanding of um, initial loading and, and a few other bits and pieces. Other than that, that's where they should stay and be really, really good. If not expand their training. I've worked with some really good physios. However, at that point in my career, and I was there when I was talking, and, and when I was having this conversation with him, I was like, wow, like you don't even know what extensive tempo is and you're talking down to me. Yeah. You know, I may not have had, I may not have had successful return to place, but I'd been coaching and working with people. I was talking to my friend about it and, and I remember at this exact point, you know, My first time I coached, I was 13. I had a six-week summer camp internship coaching rugby when I was 13 years old. And at that point, I was 23. I had 10 years of coaching experience at that point. And in my head, I was like, now I'm coming up to the 20 years of coaching experience and I'm 32. And I'm like, fuck, I've got so much more experience than you. I've got a lot more knowledge. I bet if you give me the chance, I'm going to smash it out of the park. And so I had to play ball and play the politics and basically, I fucking started so many arguments, so many arguments. <laughs> you and, and, <laughs> no, <laughs> and just like, just like, because you, when you the more you get embedded in it, and like you're looking, I'm looking at this one player, for instance, where um, he had a ACL, and it was he had his rehab, and they had created, they overcut the injured leg like and I was I was doing some jump mats so really really simple one um that you can use uh use it I basically have for my return to play models you know uh, Wolf of Wall Street you know Jordan Peterson yeah yeah you know that, like, the straight line sales system his straight line theory no no right? I don't actually right so i I basically the straight line theory is really really cool in how it can in uh, basically it's all about influence it's all about Getting a sale, right? And what do we have to do with training? We have to get a sale. We have to convince. So, basically, the straight line system is removing every objection that comes in your way whilst you're trying to move the athlete forward. The objection, the objections that you'll face from this point of view, are the body responding to training. That's an objection. The physio be scarcity mentality to be aggressive early, stuff like that as you go through. So, I developed a straight line system. Um, of how you use specific KPIs all the way through training to um, instill confidence, instill certainty in you, and instill certainty in the method. So the confidence for the, the, the athlete, the certainty from the physio in your methods, and the certainty of everyone in you. And you're trying to remove that and move down that straight line. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to take an injury... Um, I went into uh, Burnley, you know, the Premier League soccer team, Burnley Football Club. Yep. So I did a couple of days up there with those guys. Amazing. Amazing. This came in, I did a lot of speed stuff with them and, and we had one player there that had a, uh, an ankle, a bad ankle. He broke his ankle and everyone was stuck and it was a very familiar situation. They were stuck with um, trying to progress them try, but, but trying to, they were pulling and pushing, pulling and pushing in two different directions, medical and performance and um i don't I, I don't want to get anyone in trouble with this so uh but basically all as i said and i've said this to a lot of people with a certain injury, it's like well where's your baseline where's your bargaining chip tool it's like well we, we didn't have one and the and the guy that was there it's literally him doing most of it on his own very very difficult situation, but it's not it's not disfamiliar. Dis I just use that as an example. But the um, in, in a lot of cases where I speak to people about their rehab, it's like okay. So when uh, take a hamstring for example, right? You've got a low, you've got a low um, like a, a distal grade two bicep femoris hamstring strain. All right, um, you've got the ability to test uh force you know shit if you don't even have that you can use a luggage strap right to test knee flexion strength for for a hamstring strap it on bang pull what can we get out before pain comes on there's your first bargaining ship, right? As you go through, that's your first step on the straight line. You do left versus right comparison. Work work off a ten percent rule, then you have to factor in velocity down the end. Then you have to factor in so velocity right at the far end. You've got early stretch shortening cycle function, the slow stretch shortening cycle function, fast stretch shortening cycle function, and then. As that plots through, you've got force acceptance, you've got force tolerance, you've got four, which is, can we load? Can we can we um, build capacity on tolerating load? So, for instance, you would go from running in in a pool, or to running on on land, or fifty percent of body weight on an autogy to then twenty five percent body weight on orthog. They're all force acceptance qualities because it's, it's joint loads, it's ground reaction forces. Then I'm really skimming through this. This is about a three-hour presentation. Um, then, then you have to, un- obviously, when, um, when velocity increases, joint talks increases. So if we're getting greater jo- joint talk and loads of motion, we have to find it somewhere in the gym. So then our next thing is our velocity-based training, uh, relative power. So you can see how all these things come together. And the only thing that the physio under, uh, can track for us is joint centration and pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so so we're really responsible for most of the the practical applications to sport yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the yeah. rehab process. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so and this is where um and this is where like not being the smartest guy but the fastest thinking guy is the most important for me is that you make that physio your best fucking friend. You make him your best friend. And I did <clears throat> where I was where I was working and I was like, I did. I put a fifty-minute presentation together of all the theory and everything that I wanted to do, and I, I, I worked my fucking ass off to prove that we could do this. And um, and by the end of that first year, I had eight or nine successful return to plays of professional sportsmen, you know, and lifetime personal bests. Um, you know, one guy that I had at my previous club there. Um, he at 83 kilos he'd ran 10.1 meters per second he was 93 kilos he ran 10.13 um when he and and there was about a six-year gap in between the two so you know realizing performance and going through all of that and also used this fundamental training principles uh common sense listening to my player educating my player and then also alongside it, bringing in this concept of straight line theory with building certainty through KPIs, belief through KPIs, and uh, moving objective uh, data along and periodizing your metrics is one thing that I don't think people do enough or, or take a, a holistic view of it. It's your, one metric is only useful for one period of training. Because if you've got training residuals, like I always look at it for team sports or for um, a lot of sports My, I just um, it all fulfills back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs really um, at the bottom it goes back to Bondachuk's um, uh, pyramid yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> I know where you're going yeah.
1: <laughs> and so at that bottom I used to do it as my tier 3 metrics they used to be my my shit metrics I did not give a fuck about them really as long as they're okay, then we can move up mm-hmm. in order of specificity. And if you look at the Bondachuk stuff, and it doesn't matter what sets you use, doesn't matter what reps you use, as long as you're sequencing and you're timing. And that's where it comes back to not being the smartest, but the fastest thinker. Knowing when you need to push, or knowing when you need to pull, or knowing to go from slow to fast. Like it, it, it's, it's not rocket science. And this is where the industry's fucked because we think we're smarter than we are. Like the body's a hell of a lot smarter than we yeah. do and it will filter the noise. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I used to sequence my, and that got me in trouble because the guy I used to work for was a five by five and a MAS runner. And that was what he would do. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm like, well, I did six weeks and, and we, everyone PB, but they never went above 75% of training max. And then we got PRs in max strength. I was like, yeah, that's done. We're not using that anymore. It was like, why aren't you using strength anymore? It's like, because it's a redundant metric for the stage of the season that we're at. Yeah, but what are you going to report? It's like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Are they healthy? Yeah. All right. Cool. Job done. So then we'd basically sequence through from if you go, you know, uh, aerobic capacity, um, uh, peak force type strength metric at the bottom um maximum velocity um uh, capacity at maximum velocity uh, change of direction and health at the far end you know that's your sequence and you plug the gaps of where you need to do based on the type yeah. of athlete yeah and because you're going to find that different athletes there'll be a stream there's a common theme of general to specific but within there uh, a general strength quality for a more tenderness elastic guy is going to be completely different to a force driven um short man yeah short limb guy and this is where we are fucked it's like because people don't know the difference it's like it's really fucking obvious if someone's tall and they can spring like shit they're going to be fascial yeah. If if someone's short and they can they're really strong they're force dominant you look at them and go you're strong well you're a fucking muscle driven guy you're a tendon driven guy look at what they do and then push the needle yeah. where where they need to go but the amount of detraining these fascial guys get by fucking chimps throwing shit at the wall in the weight room by training them like powerlifters they that's
0: not who yeah. they are yeah that's not who no. they are
1: so like the guy that i work with is a great example A guy i work with at the falcons his first year with me last year um in five weeks um we took him from and this was on shit turf outside from a one one six one ten yard from a three point to a one five two wow um he came with a came with a forty-three centimeter counter movement jump after his layoff because everyone knows that NFL players detrain to fuck in they, the season. They don't do
0: anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so forty-three. He. I mean, he's he's six foot seven and and two fifty. Um. So big dude is tight end. Um. And yeah, from a forty-three to a 56 centimeter count of movement jump in 12 weeks. Um, the heaviest weight he pulled off the ground was 140 kilos.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so so he's one of your fascial guys then, huh?
1: Yeah, and well, we found his weak link. Like he was, um, uh, well, to start, I looked at him, I watched training history, you know, my calf, his calf, used to blow up when he was walking. I was like, right, center of mass, pelvic stability, all calves no us, simple. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But strengthened up his hips, Put an ass on him. Uh, his his limb, his uh, torso, limb distribution was basically equal. Like that back is long as shit. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we had to teach him to. Yeah. Um, uh, we use force plates as well. and his eccentric rear force development wasn't very high because he would fold early. Yeah. Because like, yeah, right. just
0: lever base. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So we we pushed real hard on that. We trained that with more intensity. So we were doing like over speed. Uh, we sequence to overspeed, uh eccentric stuff so like take one of the exercises i fucking i love it um hand supported single leg right banded um drops so you would put like green bands which are like 50 pounds a piece either side um hand support you'd start in like an a uh front side sprint position mm-hmm. And then you would just pull yourself as hard as you can into the ground and put the brakes on. And you're accelerating him so far down. And the first week we did it, it looked like shit. But the third week we did it, amazing. Fourth week, through the fucking roof with his jumps. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. The, the nervous system had navigated what we were telling it to do, self-organized. Um and there's, I don't think there's much, it's like an aug, a type of augmented eccentric and there's not a lot of research into, into it, um, but I don't really is it care Kind of, it, kind of
0: I'm, I'm not quite picturing it in my head, but is it kind of like more yielding than overcoming or opposite?
1: Um, so, you know, you know, like early plyometrics, like landing mechanics, like drop yeah. landings? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's basically a single leg drop landing with, um, with a safety bar on your back banded, hand-supported, single-leg drop landing, base.
0: You are doing some yielding there, then, for sure. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Yeah,
1: and I sent it to Brian, uh, Brian Mann, and he was like, fuck, that's fucking we need to get some data on that. I was like, well, yeah, I'm not, really he didn't, he
0: didn't say like that though. He's like, we need to get some data on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <what he> <laughs> yeah I love that dude. I he's awesome. Dude. Yeah. He's awesome.
1: I got some, I got a cool story about him, but he, yeah, he's a fucking good man. He's a real good man. And, so uh,
0: I'm super curious. Sorry to cut in, but yeah. I'm super curious Did like, take me through. Uh, this is, this is what I've been on a lot recently is these fascial guys versus these muscle bound power guys. Yeah. Um, and just kind of obviously, we can see what's happening, but I feel like this is a massive disconnect for people that just coach sprinting generally without yeah. without uh, being aware of these differences. And I yeah. think you know we mentioned Adarian before we started. Um, one thing Adarian has taught me is that the f- front side pushing using muscles to overcome gravity isn't always going to be the best option for some of these players I don't know if you agree with that but that's kind of I almost have started looking at it like a continuum like yeah. some guys are more fascial and would, it would be better off yielding using the Achilles using muscle slack other people are going to be better off using their muscles overcoming gravity and being more front side driven I don't, I don't know if that makes sense to you but that's kind of how I've been thinking about it recently
1: yeah, yeah, it's a really interesting thing. It's a really, really interesting um concept and something that I'm still navigating on my own, still working on my own. Like I was at a Adarian seminar and there was some of it I was like, Yeah, this makes sense. You know, get your body weight in front and the back leg will f- come through because you're gonna fall over if you don't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um and And like putting tension in the system, there were the two sort of two big things that i i I came away with um, and um and for me <clears throat> you know especially with team sport guys you you're very it's very difficult because they're so far behind the curve in sprint preparation mm hmm just in terms of of accumulating some
0: volume to prevent injury, right?
1: Yeah, and yeah. and just understanding of of sprinting, like learning to sprint, um, is huge. And before you can even understand, you know, you know what what way to load them, you've got to teach them. Sprint teaching is load. Skill acquisition is a shit ton of cognitive load for these guys, and and I'm talking to Jonas a lot and like with a few issues that I've had with a few players and and bits and pieces and and like and I said to him I was like teaching mechanics would get you fucking so far like I've taken three three and a half tenths off of guys like of their 10 metre times like just by teaching them how to change their legs (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Um, so regardless of like the fascial versus the you know force force driven guys i think i think what the the name of the game and the name of the game is to get from a to b as fast as possible right mm. and where you're really going to truly find out that is when you start stressing really stressing it to break the technique and for every level of speed and new level of speed you acquire, the technique will break somewhere and where that technique breaks will tell you what that athlete is missing from a quality and the <clears throat> bandwidth of breaks is really really high at the beginning so for instance you know um, I, had a, I had a girl uh, saw privately um, I'll mention what organization she works with because some people in the industry don't like private guys like myself, um, but they can get fucked. um, <laughs> so the basically, um, and I say that in a really jovial way like it's just banter, but like I made up better. Um, the we were working on a limb exchange from step one to step two, and and when the penny dropped, step three, four, five, six, and seven was fucking terrible, and and was that and also this is a huge thing, it's a really, really interesting thing that came from this one player in particular. She got profiled and on force place and they said that she was missing um uh she didn't have stiff enough ankles she was missing ankle stiffness. I was like alright okay and they put her on a stiffness program. In 30 seconds we changed the stiffness of our ankles
0: just just by, by teaching a concept
1: yeah yeah, just yeah by and that's coaching.
0: we miss the boat so much with that stuff i hate yeah. when people make a a a physical like yeah. oh you're limited by this it's like yeah. well, are we we don't know yeah. that like let's talk about it <laughs>
1: like, yeah you got a fucking whether well, you got a radar chart and a bar graph to tell you you're a fucking <laughs> idiot yeah, like, well,
0: well, yeah. <laughs> well and then you know try telling an athlete oh yeah you don't have that like yeah you're going to be like oh, he thinks I suck like that's yeah. not, yeah again well
1: this is that was the that was the load that she was carrying with her she's so like she had she was broken, she had this problem was like you haven't got this problem let 's do this, this, and this, let's try this well, let's do this, this and this and i'd been working with people and and so with her, that first step popped, and she just got out it all just fell right, it all just fell right, and then the she um and a lot of the time with team sport guys, yeah, they are missing the elastic qualities. They are missing the elastic qualities because when you get there through that first and second step, and then they've got to start really trying to turn over fast to transition because you've got, you know, in team sports, you, you start, you're accelerating from a two point upright position. You, you're trying to learn to, uh, Uh, project horizontally from an upright position. You've probably only got two or three steps to get it right. But then before you've got to start getting into maximum turnover. Yeah. So it's a real complicated beast and people don't give it the credit that it deserves. And, and so these guys have got to be able to store and release elastic energy a lot quicker. Um, But that being said. I mean, you don't
0: have time to slow cook like in a sprint. I mean, everything's happening quickly for elite. But you could tell there's a process. Yeah, except they're slow cooking the process of getting up to max velocity. You don't have that yeah. luxury in team sports. No. Yeah,
1: no. You, otherwise, some someone's gonna fucking come and rip your head off. Like, <laughs> and and so, yeah. So my point <laughs> now about my actual point is that the. Um, your, a lot of these guys. So we go tendon, uh, fascial guys versus force guys. you you can know them by looking at them. Really, you can know them by stressing them. And the the really interesting thing is is that transfer of the skill is so powerful and lasts so long that because one of the number one ways that I've fixed uh, so much um, of people's acceleration technique is with heavy put work. Right, and there's two ways that you fit on it. If they've got low leg speed, if they've got slow leg speed or they don't put enough force in it, they use heavy pulleys. One of them, one of, one of them we use um, to express force into the ground. One of them we use to slow the athlete down so they can sit in the position and turn their legs over quicker under the same load, two different means. Mm. And for a team sports setting, you don't want to have to keep changing pulleys up and down for all your athletes. So you've got 30 or 40 guys. Um, you know, I used to have to do 20 at a time with only four pulleys. Like it was a fucking nightmare. Um, so I had to turn all of my guys into coaches and I would group them based on the type of, not how fast they could run, but the type of runner they yeah, were. Yeah. Um, and I'd be like, right, you guys are all the same. So you need to, your coaching cues are this, this, and this. Watch it. Tell me you can see it. So work off a rule of three, one doing, one watching, uh, one learning so uh, one one coaching sorry the one watching is learning so you then you would drive them into their cues and so they're actually doing it three times so they're practicing visualization whilst there's watching the yeah. guy's coaching is mentally rehearsing the yeah. one's actually that's doing the way it. to
0: do it man beautiful
1: and they would just spin and and i've coached a group of 50 with that concept um and it just frightening but yeah so <laughs> so and then you would And then, so how that transitions into the weight room is that, you know, everyone, everyone needs, um, some capacity to produce force. So how do we train them differently? How do we train a a force, uh, muscle driven guy versus a tendon driven guy? We don't, you would automatically assume that we do a lot more jumping and elastic stuff, um, with a tendon driven guy. No, you don't because that's their dominance. You nurture that dominance. You tweak it. You just keep an eye on it because, um, those guys that are really tenderness, they look, can look really fragile. Mm-hmm. They're not robust. Um, they're very lax. They've probably got quite loose joints. So if you start hammering on the volume, you think, oh, he's an elastic guy. I'm going to train him like a fucking elastic band. You're going to break it. Um, and so you don't have to train them too dissimilar. You just have to change the way that they're training because you don't want to cause a negative consequence of the strength work that you're doing. So
0: that's that's kind of what I think. Like like I we especially in certain sports, I need guys to be able to move external load and have tension in the system to some extent. But my worry is always if I do too much, am I depriving them of what's making them fast, which is some of these guys their out their elasticity. So yeah, you know, yeah, accurate in like my like my thought process there.
1: Mm, no, for sure, and and also you've got a factor in the game. So you know are you and there's a big thing and I fucking drives me fucking bananas like (laughs) the people like you know chaos and order all the Taoism stuff and whilst I respect that concept like it doesn't need to be fucking rammed down people's throat in team sport environments you know we need to give them more chaos have you ever fucking played rugby you ever played team sport it's the most chaotic thing in your life like in training, we need to provide them. We need to give order. Like we don't need to, we don't need to mix the medicine. You know, we need to be the medicine. Yeah. We need to. We need to use training to restore. We need to use to, to like training the best development you can do for an athlete is not have them do anything. Uh, and being able to to understand that. So if we, if we keep our ducks in in a row in the places that they need to be then you're always gonna get better because if you change everything, you change nothing. Yeah. And whilst you're trying to push these physiological variables up and, and monitor them and test them, if someone's in a full time training around that, say like a elastic guy or a force guy, they're gonna to have to sprint in training. So they're going to be using their weapon all the time. Yeah. It's it's your job to keep an an eye on that weapon. Can you can you understand how that weapon works even better by watching them train? Um, and watching them fail, see when the weapon breaks, and then go back into your training environment. And, And so from like a set play and a set piece, um, with, like a, like, a winger or something uh, when they're running their lines, can they not cut left or right well enough? Or is there, do they shorten, you know, off a, say, like a five man line out in rugby? It's a set piece. You've got, there's 10, 15 meters um, either side of the middle, the mm-hmm. game line, they call it, the line of scrimmage. So the player's got time to pick his line, be patient and build. But when that stress, anxiety comes on, do they shorten? Do they shorten their stride? Do they do they stop using their weapon, and then you have to go and coach their weapon back into them, and and that's the whole bigger picture of of sports performance training than and how where where we're really not that important in the gym. Like we can do a lot, though. Like, we keep the organism moving in the right direction and change the oil. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We're we're. Yeah, our impact is more subtle, I think, than we think. Like, our interventions might not be what's, what's doing it necessarily, but our, yeah. are just reminders for them. Like, they're probably capable of doing a lot of what we're having them do, and we don't need to coach them to do it. We just need to remind them. Is that kind of where you're yeah. getting
1: at? Yeah. yeah, 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 100%. And the psychological conditioning of everything is huge. Like First and foremost, the athletes have got to trust you, and that gets banded around a lot gets banded and you've got, they've got to get buying. and they've got to get this. And I, you know, Brett Bartholomew with this stuff. I know Brett very well. Good friend of mine. Um, had a lot of good con- phone com- conversations with him over the last few years. And I could, whilst I completely agree with everything that he says, a lot of athletes have got the best bullshit detectors. Yeah. So they'll easily sniff you out and they'll chew you up and spit you out and to get buy-in the easiest way for me is just to be upfront and honest just be who you are and that's where the guy that's the the only thing that he is is an C coach is a guy that an athlete will worry about do them doing their best for them because they don't appreciate the big picture so take that as a sort of as a bit of an example like with my guys when the best the best times i've had coaching is when i don't give a shit about the coaching and and off the back of those conversations with my players my program just fucking took off it had its own heartbeat in this in this thing and we used to how i used to prepare my players for speed um and I, i'll talk about this more in the um Speedgate Golf Manual. I've Actually, after two years, I've nearly finished writing the bloody thing. <laughs> keeps getting put off. Um, and now, now I'm locked in my house. I can actually do it. Um,
0: you have no choice now, man. <laughs> yeah. I
1: said to Joel Smith, I was like, give me two weeks. Give me two weeks and we'll put something out. Um, but uh, what I used to do is if it was a technical day, there they would just be written on the board, speed trainers. Right? If it was uh, technical but running fast, it would be uh, speed GPS. Um, so we can track their speed. And if it was game on, it would be boots, GPS, gates, written on the board, cage. We had a cage out the back and we will put them in the cage. We stole the hi-fi. We were blasting at like eight o'clock in the morning. There's a nurse. There was a nursery on site as well. We're blasting some fucking dirty hip hop, um, <laughs> and so I was conditioning them. And whilst that, just how I, you would do a, a strength wave based on the opposition that you're playing that week. You would manipulate that. I manipulated my psychological readiness to that session based on who we were playing. And you damn sure if it was a big fucking game, I wasn't dialing down. I was ramping up where I could ramp up that wouldn't fatigue us. And the first time I did it, I had five 10 meter sprint PBs. Five. Yeah. And that, that's an
0: environment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: Exactly. The yeah. Fastest thinker. The fastest thinker it's like you're in the fucking cage and we're just we're just hyping the boys up they knew their warm-ups and this is all the prep that had gone into it from being the coach i taught them a warm-up they did the same warm-up three or four times a week the reason why they understood that if something felt different they could ask me a question yeah yeah so they can understand change they'd do it they'd do it on their own and i'd watch and i'll talk and have different conversations they knew their warm-up they knew on their day one they'd be doing this set of drills on day two, this set of drills, day three, this set of drills. So it was all on them. They knew their weights program inside out. So by the time I'd worked and spent six months getting to that point, I could then go just press play on the fucking, uh, i um, the iPod and let shit fly. Yeah, Because you know? it was, it. we were there and we were ready to go.
0: Well, I think that's the best sign of good coaching. Like when you get them into a more dynamic environment, because you're talking about a, getting them back to some sort of, uh, less chaotic environment can be a good thing, but once yeah. we ramp it up they the vestiges of coaches are gone uh, is, is gone like we 're not there anymore like it 's on them, and if they can 't do it, then we didn 't do our job you know yeah. So, yeah, It's the same that's way awesome. That's awesome. I,
1: it's the same way I hate the technical coach that screams and shouts on the sideline because once they cross the whitewash. You're done.
0: The hay's in the barn, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no more. <laughs>
1: yeah. you you if you've not prepared them, then it's on you. And your anxiety as a coach, it's like reading a room. If a coach is anxious, the players will feel it. Yeah. And that's why they're like well, we press play on that fucking iPod and it is loud. <laughs> they knew they knew we had they basically had to buy your way into the speed gate stuff. So first rep. If the second rep's faster than your first, you get a third. If your third's faster than your second, then you can go for a bonus. So and on your bonus can be a showboat rep. So do you tell me the time you're going to run. Tell me the time you're going
0: to run. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like that a lot.
1: And and so it was just like and we used to like the showboat stuff is awesome, right? Because. The, the players will love it. It's really ego-centric. And, you know, it's like you, when we do some sort of testing or some submax stuff, it's like, right, showboat reps today, boys, what you got for me, what you got. And like, someone would be on a bench and they will be fucking talking shit to another guy or telling jokes or, you know, someone would fucking strip down into boxes and fucking start doing chin-ups and just all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, because it enriches the environment. It's there. It's their environment that's awesome, you know I love that navigating a ship and and being private guy now like telling these stories about back in the club um I miss it I miss the players but I don't miss anything else yeah I really don't miss anything else yeah I, yeah
0: because yeah that like you said that's that system is Mm. it's tough to it's if you I'm sure if you find a good one because I've talked to people that love where they're currently at like professional yeah. stuff, but I mean you know I had a I had a potential job last year that I ended up not getting and I had someone call me afterwards and tell me like dude you didn't want that like yeah you're gonna you you yeah it looks good on paper but you're gonna be in an environment where you're just one you're not gonna get better and two it's not gonna be much fun because nobody's happy and yeah. I was like you know what like I don't I didn't need that so you know.
1: yeah it's like <laughs> you know, the biggest, the biggest, um, uh, well, the, you know, something for me is like, don't think I'd ever want to be a strength coach in the NFL. Cause I actually like my job.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you know? I mean, you want to talk about like best practices and keeping athletes safe. Like yeah. at CBA, like, yes, I know the players like it because they get ample time off and they don't, they're not obligated to do a lot, but I mean, it really, like if you're not serious about your training on your own, like, You're in a bad way when you come back. And the strength coaches, it's hard for them to put together the right kind of program for, Mm. you know, 90 dudes. that Like I saw it firsthand when I was with the Bills. It's hard to do. Yeah,
1: yeah. My second season at my first club, and this is where it swings in the other direction. You think rugby. I was in the last week of the season from the beginning of preseason was week 52. Jeez. Yeah, and that's that, <laughs> yes. and they play too much rugby. Um, so, you know, this that, like coming out of this COVID thing, you know, with the league nearly having to go furlough and bankrupt and, and, and all sorts of things. And I think they need to really rethink the strategy of the league and the structures of the league for player welfare. You know, so your guys in for 50 to overall 52 weeks with some breaks here and there but it's 52 weeks and going into like World Cups and stuff.
0: Yeah, because that, yeah, that's the thing football doesn't have like all these all yeah.
1: things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was like because in, in the UK, um, in England, they don't have what's called a central contract so you're not contracted to to England, put it that way. But uh, in New Zealand, everyone knows New Zealand's one of the best teams in the world. They have been for years. Their best players are contracted to New New Zealand. And Ireland have it. Wales have it. And so coming into... like the England fly half versus the New Zealand fly half in the last World Cup si- semi final, the England fly half played, I think it was twice as many games. Oh as he my
0: had. gosh. So, so, I mean, if you're affiliated then with the country, you're getting a much like more reasonable slate of games and, and matches. Yeah, like, you
1: like, like, actually kept fresh. And I talk I, like, with a, yeah, like, I, I'm a big, that parabolic relationship between freshness and fatigue is so far overlooked. So far overlooked, because it goes back to the point where people don't know the bang of their program, they don't actually know what their program can achieve as a result because they're too afraid of not understanding the next bit, yeah so they can they can have a circle jerk with their s and c coach friends
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it makes it, it that 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 makes it very difficult too i I know the n b a runs in the same problem because I mean first off, like the culturally the, those guys don't care for the weight room um, yeah it's just an interesting predicament to be in because like you need to load these guys to some extent. Cause like you said, these are the classic fascial guys who are fragile. Um, mm. So you need to have some sort of loading, but when you play 82 games and then they disappear for the whole off season, it's very difficult to, yeah. to, to figure out like what the best thing to do for them is when you're, they're trying to play every other night. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's fucking mad, like, and some, so just some of the shit you see on the internet as well it just fucking breaks me. I won't go down that <laughs> rabbit hole, but it's like, and that's where the industry's broken. Yeah, that's that's where it's broke. You know, like, say, like, for if you're a psychologist, you have to be on a a global register. You, if you're a physio, you have to uh, be safeguarded. You know, because you could kill someone. What about the guys that are getting guys to fucking max out all the time? It's like, where is your duty of care there? And then you had the dude that was um, had a bar on his back, fucking jumped on a BOSU ball on a box and then squatted with no hands. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I, could, I could go and hit him with a baseball bat, that athlete, and do a better job for him.
0: <laughs> he'd be he'd be tougher if you hit him with a yeah.
1: yeah exactly <laughs> like that's a p- appropriate training right run into a fucking brick wall
0: yeah yeah man it's it is crazy just the shit that's out there dude I had more questions but I try to keep these to about an hour just just for you know consistency's sake I'm gonna have to bring you on again want we'll to talk about more stuff but before I let you yeah. go please like uh, all anything you want to promote products website uh, social yeah. have
1: at it yeah um so if you're listening to this i appreciate you know you listening to me and hear me talk shit um (laughs) you can get me on instagram uh coach underscore sportland um, yeah, we in the COVID period of like we talked about at the beginning, we've got a lot of stuff coming up. Um, I just, the reason why you can feel the detestness in my voice about all the stuff on the internet, because I released the bodyweight athlete stuff purely to try and wipe the face of the internet with these fucking lunatics out there, <laughs> um, and actually give some athletes some hope in this period. So we released that. There's version. There's, we're pushing it out to a 12 week program, so you guys will be the first to know this. When's this coming out?
0: Uh this will come out uh not this Monday, the following Monday. I'm gonna put it out. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So your listeners will be the first to know that it's actually been pushed out because f- it's been so successful to a 12 week program. So that'll be up and they'll we'll we'll hook you guys up with a discount code of, of some sort oh, for that if Appreciate they want that. it. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so we're gonna be pivoting. We've got I've have got some crazy seminar-ish type stuff coming up. I've got speed progression, all my speed progression manuals. I think you've got a copy of one of them. I have Um, one of yours,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, we've got Change of Direction. We've got all sorts of stuff coming up. So if you just jump on coach underscore sportland and my email is sam at uk. if you want to reach out and ask questions. I'm, I'm more than happy i've got nothing to hide and a lot to say so i really appreciate having the chat with you man it's
0: dude yeah it's been great thank you so much and and again apologies about the uh the, the time mix up it's all, good, man. it's all good it's not a problem
1: this is the thing you know like i it's the world is really small now the world is really really small and you know being able to talk to guys like yourself and other coaches and just keep you know we want to change the game. We've got, to, we've got to stick together. We've got to work together. So, it's really cool, man. I appreciate
0: it. 100%. Thanks a lot, Sam.